Who was here last week? Great. Uh, so we saw uh, lovely Eleanor speaking. Um, she had um, brilliant visual aids. She brought real emotion. She had a mum up here. Um, she was showing us how to, how to live and, and to take things off and, and what's going what's gonna to stop us. Uh, she had lovely white Air Forces on. She changed into sliders. I was listening, see? Um, today you're going to have none of that. Um, you've just got me um, talking at you. Uh, so strap in and, yeah, stick with me as best you can. Um, yeah, so here we go. Um, there was... Oh, actually, no, before I start, before I start, another little kind of shout-out. So you know we've been encouraged to find two people and create a three and kind of spend time with them, pray with them, chat things through, um, and kind of just have that as a, as a resource, as, as a friendship that we can actually be particularly honest with, maybe, when we might struggle in other places and other forums. Um, and I just want to say that Tom uh, over there, Luke over there, um, and myself have been, a, have been a three. We've met up a few times now. Um, but also, this morning, I was really stressing out because I didn't have a printer, and when I emailed my talk to my iPad, all the formatting went on it entirely. Uh, and Tom and Luke this morning uh, sorted it all out for me. And, uh, yeah. So, so, <laughs> and so I just want to say, actually, genuinely, I really appreciate you guys. But also, I want to say that as a bit of an encouragement to be like, hey, actually, these triplet things kind of work. Um, and so do get involved with that. Do make sure that you're... Um, Nigel didn't prep me for this, but am I doing, am I doing good? Um, brilliant stuff. All right. As you can tell, when I'm nervous, uh, I get a little bit silly. So hopefully this is the end of it. I'm very nervous, very nervous. There was a young man, and he thought he was doing what was right. He thought that he was um, stopping a heretic. He thought that he was going to promote God's name. He thought that he was doing what was right. He thought he was protecting wisdom and truth. He thought he was stopping a cult or something that was going to um, dilute the truth of God. And his name was Malchus. There was another guy And he thought he was doing what was right. He thought he was protecting truth and wisdom. He thought he was promoting God Almighty. He thought he was preserving his name and promoting it. He thought he was protecting something um, that was was going to stop mediocrity. It was going to... Increase. It was going to drive things forward. It was going to change the status quo. And his name was Peter. And in the middle uh, was a guy we're all very familiar with called Jesus. Um, earlier we heard this account in Mark. Um, but Ben, if you're able to put up the account in Luke, um, this is where, when I was kind of meditating, meditating? Yeah, I suppose so. When I was thinking about this, um, and going through it all, this account of this story is in, in each of the Gospels. Um, but the one in Luke particularly stood out to me. 
Um, and you'll see why in a, in a moment. I'm just going to read it out. So Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. Stone's throw. You don't really hear that very often uh, in the Bible. Knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. I wish an angel would strengthen me sometimes. Uh, When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we, sh- should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear, and he healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, to the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. So we hear those kind of accounts that I alluded to earlier. One guy, Malchus, is there. He is part of the group that is trying to arrest Jesus. He's one of the guys that's come with all the elders um, that Judas has spoken to and saying, let's round this guy up. Let's stop him because he's not the Messiah, because he's not what is going to promote God. And Jesus on the other side is saying, actually, no, this is the fulfillment of those things. This is the next stage of what Jesus, his character is displayed to us um, on this earth. The bit that stood out to me is, is that kind of, well, this bit here, really, this whole bit. The fact that he's got these two characters trying to defend something. These two characters trying to protect something. And I was just thinking about myself. Like, as a Christian, as someone who believes what I believe, as someone who has a faith, Am I called to defend Jesus? Am I called to defend my God, Christ? And I was thinking about maybe I'm in an argument with someone of a, another faith or another understanding or maybe someone's rude towards the church or slanders um, Jesus. We think about the wider world and persecuted Christians around the globe Um, discussions on science and all these these interactions that I have where I feel like, oh, maybe I need to defend what I believe here. Maybe I need to defend my Christ. I'll tell you a little story about um, defending myself in a non-faith situation. 
Um, I know that people here like hearing stories of me cycling. Um, Pete hasn't shouted about my, my one story that I told about two years ago um, about cycling the last time I spoke, I think. Um, and I'll be quite real with you guys. When I cycle, the only thing I have to defend myself um, is my voice and my arms waving them around. And there was one time I was cycling along and a car was coming out from a side road this way and a car was coming towards me and turning right across my path that way. And so there's this this gap getting ever smaller. And at that point, there was a point that I learned that I could ride my bike with no hands. And the reason I discovered this is because I defended myself by attacking out. Now, you may be shocked with my actions in this next bit. But the reason that I did this, the reason that I know that I can ride my bike with two hands, is because I flicked the Vs with both hands simultaneously <laughs> to both drivers and carried on through the gap. And then I was like, oh, wow, I can actually ride my bike with no hands. This is great. Well, so the reason I'm telling that story and being a little bit vulnerable about my behaviour on my bike um, in front of everybody here um, who thinks that I'm a, a great Christian or whatever else is just to, to be real and be like, actually, it's quite easy for me to pick up the swords, um, whether it's in church or defending my God or, or whether it's just defending myself on my bike, that I'm quite quick to attack. A lot of the time, that's my default, is to maybe antagonise or to, to attack. And so, yeah. So that's, how, that's one story. <laughs> Another thing is that a, um, a few weeks ago, I was in training at, at, at work uh, to be a fire marshal for my office. I know, um, a great privilege. And I was sat there in a room with people, and this guy was a brilliant communicator, a really good, fun guy that was leading the training, uh, a rarity. Um, <laughs> and we was having a great time. And he said, okay, I'm going to give you a scenario, a situation. Imagine in the corner of this room, there is a fire, four foot tall, two foot wide. Who here would find an extinguisher and tackle the blaze? Put my hand straight up, I say, yeah. I'd back myself against that. Four foot fire? Yeah, I find it. I know exactly what a fire extinguisher is. I'd give it a go. I looked down the rest of the room. Nobody else got their hand out. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to stick with this. Um, and then he's like, who here would actually just get out of the building? Run for it. <laughs> Correct answer, just so you know. Um, and the, fire, the, the fireman uh, was just like, no, yeah, just get out. Just get out. And even now, I still think, I reckon I'd get the fire extinguisher. (laughs) I'd give it a good go. Um, And again, it's just kind of like a default. of Actually, I quite like to to attack, to defend. Um, They always say in like sports analogies, the best way to defend is to attack. Um, And that's kind of me. That's my personality. I'm quite quick to pick up the sword um, or pick up the fire extinguisher. Um, In my younger days... um, I know. Uh, I will happily have a heated discussion with people about faith. Um, I would know maybe a few soft spots of the opposition, a few things that I know I could 
mention or drag up or, hey, did you know that your faith says this? Hey, did you know that you actually do believe even when you say you don't? You believe in something. I would have a few uh, tricks up my sleeve. And so I'd defend through different ways. One, this kind of military approach, the swords. I would attack. Another would be maybe to defend uh, with a wall. I don't know who here maybe your default is actually to put a wall up. Maybe it's a very complicated argument. You twist people up with the words and intellect. You kind of put up a wall and be like, ha, fight with that. What have you got for me? I'm bulletproof right here. Maybe it's kind of a barbed wire fence. Maybe you put up a wall um, where you just ignore conversation entirely. Shift away. I think maybe the church, if I can say this, the wider church, I think Forest Hill is quite good, but um, the wider church, we ignore so many conversations. I think about so many communities that have been ostracized because we've not had a conversation with them. Um, I suppose maybe the biggest one at the moment, like homosexuality and transgender, we just put up a wall straight. Oh, I'm going to ignore that conversation. I've got no idea what I think about that as the church. So we never even engage with it. We defend by putting up a wall. Sometimes when I'm kind of reflecting on this, I realize that maybe even in fact I'm not defending God or Christ in those types of conversations. I'm actually defending myself. Do I believe what I believe? Am I silly for thinking this? And I start trying to actually prove to myself that I'm right in the conversation I'm having with somebody else. Hey, do I believe what I believe? Am I actually right? And I'm defending against myself. In this passage here, we we see kind of Peter's response, um, I, don't want him to, I don't want to bring him down with my characteristics, but maybe he's similar to me in that he's picking up that sword and he takes a swipe. Maybe he's the one that flicks the Vs at the drivers and is then embarrassed in front of the church um, when he's honest about that and vulnerable about that. Maybe he's the one that's saying, yeah, I'll back myself against that fire. I'll pick up the fire extinguisher. Just let me at them. What I'd like you to do is just take 10 seconds where you are, put yourself into Malchus' shoes. So he's the guy who's had his ear chopped off. Put yourself into his shoes. He thinks he's doing what's right. He feels like he's with the right crowd. He's serving his elders and leaders. He's convinced that actually this is, this is probably the best course of action. Maybe he's quite innocent in that thought process. He's trusting people. He's, he's thinking that maybe what I do know about Scripture, what I've heard of the stories, I'm, I'm convinced that I'm actually right, and Jesus is, is a problem that needs to be stopped. Put yourself into those shoes. Peter comes at you, slices off your ear. What are you thinking... What's your response to Jesus' disciples? 
feel free to kind of throw out a couple of thoughts. What are, your, what are you thinking if you're Malchus in that moment? Yeah, he'd be more convinced he was right. Hey, I knew this guy was trouble, right? I knew this guy was difficult. Look, he's raising up a rabble. His, his followers strike me with a sword. Yeah. Now, be Malchus again. Jesus reaches out and heals your ear. What's your response to Jesus now? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, shock. Oh, my goodness. How did he do that? Yeah. Maybe I'm on the wrong side. Okay. We could turn this into a huge discussion here. Why do you think that? But um, yeah, potentially, right? He's like, oh, wow, that's not what I expected as a response. Maybe, maybe there is something about this guy. Maybe there is something interesting about, about him. Yeah, so Peter, Peter was defending um, the person, and Jesus uh, re- rebuked him. He said, no, put away that sword. That's not how we do things. That's not how you defend me. That's not how you defend me. And he even goes on not just to, to say, that's not how you defend me, but he goes on to show how you do defend me. And he reaches out and he heals the ear. See, I think, reflecting on this, it's not, it's not about taking that strike. And defending that way. But it's much more of a, maybe more of a vague, general way of defending. And I've called it defending through continuation. So the purpose of defense is to survive. To ensure that there is a tomorrow. To to ensure that you, you exist. That you continue. And I think the way that we do that with Jesus is through preserving by demonstration. The values that Jesus stands for are demonstrated the way that Jesus reacts in that situation. To ensure there is a tomorrow, we demonstrate Jesus' actions. It's like a, it's like a family name that you kind of have And it continues generation, 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 just by being, just by embodying that, just by acting as that family, as opposed to a moment of an action. I think the church over its 2,000-year history um, has got itself into many pickles, defending itself. Um, as an institution. Um, I heard a talk years ago as a teenager, um, and I wish I could find the, the actual video that they showed. But they went out onto streets um, around London, and they just bumped into strangers, and they asked this question, what are your views on the church? And they're predominantly negative. And then they asked, what are your views on Jesus? And they were predominantly positive. And it's this idea that actually the name of Jesus, the way that Jesus is, is predominantly positive. 
and people's views. But potentially, the way that Peter is, or the way that church can be, is predominantly negative, because we act in that way. Um, Bonhoeffer, who was a church leader uh, in Germany during um, World War, uh, during Nazi occupation, he said, the church was silent when it should have cried out, because the blood of the innocent was crying aloud to heaven. She is guilty of the deaths of the weakest and the most defenseless brothers of Jesus Christ. And so he's expressing here that the church was preoccupied with defending itself, that it did not defend the vulnerable. And Rowan Williams reminds us that the church is not ours, but God's. The question is not how do we survive, but how do we express the commitment to the well-being of those we have around us. Through Peter's actions, he could have fought everybody off and we could have survived. Jesus could have survived. But actually, the greater thing there was expressing the commitment of the well-being for those around us. Jesus then laid down his life to ensure that the vulnerable, that those who didn't have access, had access to God Almighty and his love. A friend of mine, uh, well, a good friend of mine, his brother is a builder, and he um, actually did our bathroom a few years ago. And he was a Christian. He had been hurt by the church, different ways, lots of different stories, things that hadn't gone quite to plan. And whilst he was doing my bathroom, at that moment, the same week, I sustained an injury on in my ankle and tore a ligament. And so I was actually at working from home at the same time that he was working in my house. And it turns out that neither of us were very good at working from home. Um, and so we spent a lot of time just in the corridor sitting and, chat, sitting and chatting about nothing and everything. We started talking about faith. And I think the reason I'm telling this story is I feel like there's not many times when I'm the one that maybe reaches out and does the healing of the ear. I think I've, my default is often to be the one that, that cuts the ear off. Um, and we just chatted. And I felt the hurts and the pains and realized there's some, some things that had happened that never really got over. And so I just chatted. And I suppose to reach out and touch the guy's ear to heal it, we must have been pretty close. Probably quite a vulnerable situation if we're thinking about a fight has broken out, there's blood, there's swords being drawn. But he gets close enough to reach out and touch the ear. Close proximity. And so I did that. I was just there, just close. Had a conversation. I didn't try to build a wall, defend through argument, defend my faith. Hey, actually, this church that I do love and I'm part of, maybe you need to think about what they're trying to achieve. Maybe you need to think this or think that. I didn't build a wall. I just chatted. It was a few years later maybe had more conversations with other people that were willing to get close and, and heal. Um, but he came back to, back to God. 
and he's part of a, another local church. Um, and yeah, I don't know what part I had in that. Maybe it's a big part, maybe it's a tiny part, maybe it wasn't at all actually, and it's just God kind of talking through me, using it as an opportunity through me. I think I've got a really quite a simple message. Put down the sword and pick up the healing power of grace. Put down the sword and pick up the healing power of grace. Now, I was, when I was kind of writing this, I was like, wait a minute, I feel like this church, most people here probably understand that. Probably live like that in most of the... Some people are being very honest and shaking their heads. And I was like, wow, maybe this is, a, maybe this is too simple a message. Um, I suppose I'm not really sure how, how we transition into a time of response. I think it'll be in a, in a couple of minutes or so. But at that point, I maybe want to think about when is it that we tend to pick up the sword? What is our situation? Maybe it's in a high-pressure situation, like me cycling through a gap where I think my life's flashing before my eyes. Maybe it's in work context when the stress is on. Maybe it's a family situation. Um, that, hey, actually, do you know what? I'm very close to picking up that sword. I know it's there. And then how we can put something in place that will mean that we are more likely to use the healing power of grace and feel comfortable in that situation. I think if I were to make this a more complicated message, I would say what I would love to achieve is to effectively get rid of the concept of enemy, to get rid of the concept of other. I think Malchus and Peter both saw each other as an enemy, something that needed to be stopped, something that needed to be prevented. Where Jesus didn't. He didn't see Malchus as an enemy. He didn't even see Judas as an enemy. He got to know them. I know he had a bit of a head start being God. But he knew them, and he knew what was required in that situation. And he knew how to reach out and heal. He didn't see them as an enemy at all. And I think there could be a whole talk here on about erasing the term enemy. And I'd love to actually do that, if that's possible at some point. Because uh, I've got so many thoughts on that. But I think let's, let's bring it into land. I realise that maybe I'm waffling towards the end here. The, the tail is wagging. Um, are, we, are we able to play music? And Where are we? Oh, you're over there. Yeah. Great. Um, and I think what I would love to do is, is with that question, um, when do I tend or feel naturally that I pick up the sword in my day-to-day life? And how... How do I see Jesus reaching out and healing the ear?
in my day-to-day life. I don't know whether you want to do that as a bit of a personal reflection. Um, maybe you, it's easier for you to talk it through with someone next to you. Um, it's absolutely fine. Uh, I'll kind of leave that with you. Um, I just want to tie that last bit up, just because I realise the last five minutes or so I've probably not been the most clear. Malchus thought he was doing what was right. Peter thought he was doing what was right. Jesus showed what was right. I think that's basically what I wanted to say. Perhaps Ruth and the band could play through one song. Let's just remain seated and think where we need to throw down the sword and where we're treating people as enemies when we shouldn't. And let's think how we can be more like Jesus and reach out and with a healing hand. Let's just meditate on that through this song and then we'll stand in worship. Lord, we thank you that you were in that garden in Gethsemane. We thank you, Jesus, that you display that the ways of this world don't bring in the kingdom of God. A sword fight isn't the answer. Thank you that you show the answer is not my will, but Father God's will be done. The answer is in laying our lives down in love as a sacrifice for others. The answer is reaching out with a healing hand. And Lord, we repent of the times we've thrown stones, we've uh, lashed out with swords, we've reacted in anger. Lord, we ask you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your grace towards us, that in your name we can see your way of dealing with situations, your way of seeing other people, your way of reaching out in healing. Lord, make us more like you. Give us more of your grace and more of your spirit today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.